Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, guys. Hi. This is Goop Yourself, the podcast where we talk about everything goop. I'm Brian Rucker. I'm Aggie Hewitt. Uh, And it's been quite a week. You start every podcast now, like, and what a week. Oh, shit. Yeah. How else are we supposed to start something? Well, it's just every week. I'm not blaming. No, I'm not. You're not doing anything wrong. I'm just saying, like, every week has been, like, a lot of stuff has happened. (laughs) You didn't do anything wrong uh thank you no i because i i actually have been listening to other podcasts just listening to how hosts start things because i always feel a little awkward like after our intro and then i always say and blah 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 and some people i think are better at starting with just a complete declarative sentence (laughs) yeah i mean like no wait what are you talking about we start our podcast totally normal i feel like no one has like I think everyone starts a podcast like kind of weird and then like you just get into a pattern where like this is just a thing that you say every single week yeah. and then you just that's it that's true it's just like yeah it is what it is uh, <laughs> it's fine also this seems like an off-air conversation <laughs> yeah. um so this week uh we are doing something a little bit different than usual Yeah. Okay. So obviously, you know, this week we have had protests all over the country um, after the murder of George Floyd. And um, we have been watching and participating in um, here in LA and um, listening a lot and paying attention and thinking about, you know, how are we going to, what are we going to do? Like, what are we actually going to do? How are we going to change? What do we need to change about ourselves and the way we do things? Um, And we've been talking to people and I was talking to one of our listeners who is like, an old has been listening to the podcast since like basically the beginning. Her name is yeah. Aziza and she's a black woman who like I became like friends with, you know, like we talk on Instagram a lot. And um, I, we were, we were just talking this week and she started telling me just some, like just some stories about her experience, some of her, just her perspective. And she's a, a listener she's like a wellness aficionado she has this awesome instagram account 
which you can all follow at aziza.calvaries, simply Aziza. And um, she has all of these awesome, like, she's got like great like shelfies and like, just like a lot of like beauty and wellness stuff. Um, and we were talking about, and she was just like telling me about her experiences. And I was like, some of the stuff she told me was like so moving. I was like, I would love it if you would, if you would like to, if you, would you want to like record some of this and talk about it on the podcast and we can play it. And she was like, yeah, but I want to bring my husband into it. Who's a white man um, named Joe. And I want to have a conversation with him um, and record that. And we were like, that's great. Like whatever you want to do. Like, yes. So that's what they did. Aziza is a clinical child psychology student, wellness enthusiast, and mother passionate about the advancement of the community with an emphasis on our mental health. And her Instagram, like I said, you can follow her on Instagram at aziza.calvaries. And you can also follow her husband, who we're going to be hearing from, along with her, at JVC302. And, and I'll put on, those handles. Yeah, I'll put those handles in the episode notes. Okay, cool. Um, and and so I also wanted to just say, uh, like our our podcast is you know very silly, and we talk about Goop, and we're you know two white people with a predominantly white audience, and Goop is a very white company with a predominantly white audience, uh, and we you know we usually keep things very light, but I do think like. It's, I mean, if we're going to like take Goop to, to, to task and like make fun of them, we need to be uh, just wary of that and take them to task when they do things that are seem, um, you know, very white centered and, and racially problematic. And I'm sure, you know, they're working on it. And there's a lot of great, you know, black and people of color uh, that work for them. But um, we just need to be a little bit more inclusive in our um the way that we think and the way that we talk about goop and in general and just push them too i mean it's like goop does a lot of like like their email this week was like all of their podcasts where they had like lala sad and jerry mckesson and like all of these with what's her name with elite talking to elise and stuff and like they i feel like they like nominally know like oh we better like put this email out or whatever but like they can always do better we can all always do better and in addition to being like hey like we're gonna call out this racist thing that goop did because like god knows they do a lot like we can also push them to go farther than you know they're necessarily going like a lot of brands want to be like we're in solidarity or whatever and like because we have an emphasis on goop, I think it's like, we should be calling, we should say like, when they do that bullshit, like kind of like surface level stuff, like I think that we can speak up when we see something that we think doesn't seem like it goes far enough or is like marketing. Yeah, because I, I think we I mean, take it for granted, like goop, ha because it's Gwyneth Paltrow, ha already has a reputation for being obviously like a brand for rich white people. And I think sometimes we, we know that, but we don't always talk about it a lot because we are also white and like we center our own experience. Um, so I think we could be more, more vocal about that stuff. 
Definitely. Uh, so yeah, so I we're let's just um, stop talking and introduce uh, Aziza and Joe to the podcast and thank them so much for uh, their thoughts and their story. Uh, I listened to it this morning and it was very, um, very moving and very informative. And I'm so uh, honored that they chose to use our platform to to share their story. Um, and at the end of they'll 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 give us a bunch of um, different organizations and uh and movies and stuff that they recommend i have all those links and i'll put them on the episodes episode description as well okay awesome yes so thank you so much for listening um and i hope you enjoy and are moved and informed by the conversation that you're about to hear with azusa and joe we'll talk to you soon bye like to take this opportunity to have a moment of silence for those black men and women who have lost their lives at the hands of police brutality and racially motivated violence. Hi guys, so my name is Aziza and I am a black American woman. And my name is Joe, I'm a white American man. We are a married couple. Um, from America, obviously we said we're both American, um, and you know we just wanted to to thank the Goop Yourself podcast for having us on today. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on um, as far as police brutality, police brutality, and, and race. You know, discussions on race and and, and racial equality or inequality. Right. Um, so, you know, the 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 folks over at Goop Yourself wanted to um, have us on. Um, Aziza is a big. Uh, big proponent of theirs. I hear a lot about them uh, in our daily lives. So, you know, we're just really thankful for them to give us a platform today to talk about it. Um, you know, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a mystery on what we're going to talk about. Um, you know, the, the senseless murder of George, George Floyd that has sparked and, and countless others, um, George Floyd just being the most recent, yeah. um, that has sparked a, a worldwide protest, uh, protest and a worldwide discussion yeah. around racial inequality. Yeah, and earlier when I mentioned that I was a black American woman and Joe mentioned that he was a white male, I think that 
um, is very important for us to contextualize um, our race so that you guys can understand the framing of this conversation and also understand our personal perspectives on on race and, and kind of how we move about the world differently. Yeah. Um, and kind of speaking to that, I was actually telling my husband last week I had to do um, testing. I actually am working um, in a space with COVID uh, positive cases. And so <clears throat> since my job is considered essential, I had to report to the office. Um, and in order to pass the screening process, I had to get my temperature checked. And so right after the George Floyd video came out, um, which I didn't watch, and I'll probably talk about that later why I didn't watch it. Um, I was just experiencing a lot of trauma, like a lot of mini panic attacks and just moments of being dazed and just kind of having flashbacks of police brutality and just just really really feeling out of it. Um, and really feeling kind of frustrated in this space. So anyway, leading back to my job. So one of the screening processes is to have your temperature checked. Now, typically um, a nurse would check your temperature with a thermometer. Well, they have these thermometer guns now. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen them? Yeah, they, I've seen the ones, they have ones that actually go right on your forehead and then they have ones that like kind of point at your forehead. Yeah, I think, yeah, I've seen the ones that scan across your forehead and I guess because they don't want to touch people. It's like yeah. contactless, right? So they, um, the temperature thermometer that we use is actually a gun that's pointing at your forehead. So I guess it scans your body, internal body temperature, whatever. I'm not a scientist. All that, all that science. All stuff. that science jazz. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, for the purpose of context, the nurse is a white woman, and I'm, again, I'm a black woman. And so she pointed the gun at my forehead, and like the little click sound went off. And she's like, okay, your temperature is blah, blah, blah. Have a good day. And in her life, she just is doing her job and just pointing a gun at my head and just to take my temperature, and life goes on. But in my mind, there was like a mini power dynamic there. It was like, wow, this white woman has a gun pointed at my head. She's going to get away with it. What the hell's going on? Yeah, and it's and you know you you came home and, and yeah. told me about that. And you were visibly you know upset about it. And you know as a as a white man, I I would never mm-hmm. think that. Right. You know, I, I would know, never. Yeah. yeah, I would never. You know, I would never think not not think. You know, in my head, I might think like, oh, this is weird. I'm getting a gun pointed at me. I've never had my temperature taken like this. Mm-hmm. But it would never go to a power thing because. Yeah. It would because, never trigger that. Yeah, because yeah. because as white as a white, especially a white male, right? But as you are white, the epitome of yeah, power. Yeah, we you we, are. We got the power, right? Yeah, power. right. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's been like that for hundreds of years. So, you know, it was upsetting to to it was upsetting in the context of everything that's going on. But mm-hmm. you know, we've had situations even prior to this where you know um, you know we were at a, a drugstore one time and and Aziza was. Uh, unfortunately, race, clearly racially profiled for having a bag in a store when yeah. there was three white women um, right next to us with with the same bags, basically the same size bags. And um, you know, I won't go into a ton of details; that's not what this is about. But um, you know, they're just pointing out the fact that it's it would be it would be insane to to for me to feel like we'd have the same type of experiences and this yeah and, right the same type of experiences moving about in society yeah and that, and that unfortunately every time 
something like this happens. And I say every time because it happens so it often. happens so often. I've known everybody has seen the picture of everybody's face. They're making collages of them now because right. there's so many of them. You know, the um, you know, say their name, say his name, say mm-hmm. her name. Um, of black just, women and men who yeah, have been. It's just it's just so killed by police. Yeah, it's just so many of them that. Um, Every time this happens, you get an onslaught of, obviously an onslaught of, of support, an onslaught of protesting, an onslaught of, um, you know, people that want change. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have, on the opposite end, you have people who just don't seem to grasp the fact that this is reality. Yeah, and, and for for a second, fuck those people, but, and, yeah. we, and we can get back to that. But also, speaking from a black perspective, you have an just in internal not internal but you have flat like ptsd flashbacks yeah because it's like here we go again here we go again here we go again like and then that's why i was making a point of saying that i didn't watch the george floyd video and rest in peace not because i disregarded it but because i just can't for my own personal mental health i just can't personally watch another video i got the i got the just the just of what the gist just yeah the gist. i always mess up those little we phrases. struggle with words sometimes <laughs> Um, I I understood what I would be seeing in the video if I was to watch, so I made a point not to watch it. But I've obviously seen like you know clips of the video. Um, but yeah, imagine being a black person and, and seeing video after video after video after video after video of police killing people that look like you or killing people that look like your dad or your brother or your uncle or your grandfather. And then life just goes on for them. Like the PTSD is very real. And and I was telling Aggie that at this point, fear is innate with us when we come across police or we encounter police. Yeah, I definitely understand that. And I think I think it's important and you know, I, I make a conscious effort to to hear hear you out and hear, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, anyone who has that same has that same you know, response, response or, or has that same, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, outlook on life that because, because of how you guys are treated by police that you, you have to approach it like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people who don't have to go through that struggle to, to hear people out, to support them, to validate how they feel, um, you know, to really listen and understand that, when this happens, yes, it, it, it fills our news cycle, it does all that, but for black people, it's so much more real. It's just life it's, for us. It's well that that and, and the fact that the discussion is always another black person killed by unarmed black person killed yeah. by police. Yeah. And you, That's what I was saying, that's our life. That's yeah, yeah that's say, life you, for us. You yeah. every day walk around as an unarmed black person. Right. Um or armed, depending on how you uh <laughs> when you catch me, when you catch me, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but you, you know, going back to the point I was making before, it, it it's so it, it's so irresponsible for for in in a time like this for people to latch on to preconceived racial biases and mm-hmm. racial, you know, um, you know, racial narratives that have nothing to do with the conversation with the conversation. And you, I know everybody's heard them. It's well, black people kill each other all the time. Um, you know, uh, more more black people kill police than police kill black people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
all those tired oh and they wonder like they they see the rise like and they wonder why they wonder why they're like that they wonder why they get locked up or 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 you know if if they just did what they're told yeah you know if they if they just listen to what the cops say if they just didn't resist yeah and and i'm sorry i know you didn't see the video but there's eight minutes and 46 seconds of a man not resisting just flat out not resisting and Mm. still died so i mean you have videos of police shooting unarmed black men in their backs uh walter scott right? yeah yeah exactly walter, walter scott, scott while they're running away yeah like what threat what, do you, threat, what threat do you pose to police when you've already been established that you're unarmed and you're running away philando castile mm-hmm. in his car he told the cop told that the he cop had reached for, and he, t- he told him and he said i'm reaching for my wallet don't well, the cop back. asked him to present his ID, yeah. and he so told the cop, I have a concealed weapon on me, and I have a warrant. I'm licensed to carry. Still dead. I mean, still dead. And the cop shot into the car eight times with his daughter in the backseat. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trauma that is going to be impacted on his daughter is... I mean, and, no, and, and this leads to my next point. And back to my last point and my next point. People's narrative, it gets so misconstrued when this happens... People are in the streets protesting, and the main thing they're saying is no justice, no peace. Mm-hmm. When people start ranting about, um, you know, black on black crime or black on white crime or, or who kills more officers and officers, die, you know, the uh, blue lives matter and all lives matter and all this stuff, oh it you're you're missing the fact that when they make those decisions, not mistakes, on the yeah, when they murder, yeah, when they make the decision that they're going to use excessive force, force or excessive force, well, deadly force, I like deadly force better. Um, yeah. They make that decision, right? They need to be held accountable, mm-hmm. and the justice system does not hold police accountable as human beings. Um, you know, there were I'll use some old statistics here um, because you know statistics are always a little bit behind, but in 2015 there were 104. Um, unarmed people murdered by police. 13 of those uh, police officers were charged with a crime and only four of them were convicted. And out of those four people that were convicted, none of them served over four years. Hmm. One of them got a manslaughter charge and was out in two, was out in three months and was able to go to weekend jail, Hmm. like a DUI. Mm -hmm. But you murdered somebody. You, you went, you, there's, there's so, the issues are so deep with policing the militarization of police, the lack of training with police, the fact that you can become an officer in six to seven months, the the whole narrative, oh, I was, you know, I'm going home to my kids, I'm fearing, yeah. that's got to stop. The fear for your life thing. When white officers say that they fear for their lives, that is a racial bias yep. against black men. It's a stereotype that black men are big and aggressive and scary and violent and they're going to do harm Mm -hmm. you can't before you even assess the situation fear for your life right that's the same that's the same mentality of you're walking down this you're walking down the right side of the street you see a black man walking down walking towards you on the same side of the street so you you cross cross the street. street but you're but the problem is you have that mentality and you're in charge of law and order Mm-hmm. You're in charge. You you hold people's lives in your hand, uh, and you're supposed to be protecting and serving. So, the narrative that you know, well, black people kill black people. First of all, it's not okay for anybody to kill anyone. No, all murder, yeah. all murder is bad. People yeah, all, die. yeah, exactly. But and people go bla- to jail. Yeah, black people when they kill other black people, they go to jail. They go to jail for a very, very, very long time. When police kill black people, they don't. All that tired rhetoric. 
is is evidence of a systemic problem, a systemic thought pattern in this country, where where people people are treated as lesser humans for the color of their skin. It's just flat out what it is. There's no. Yeah, it's just the fact of what's happening, and I think that goes back to like people are like. I think another narrative that I've seen on social media is. Um, well, people are losing focus of why this protest started. It's not, no, I don't think people are losing fo- focus of why the protest started. I think that George Floyd's murder was a, a tipping point. It's a catalyst. Yeah. It's a catalyst. Yeah, it was a catalyst. It was a tipping point. It was bound to happen. I mean, yeah, we have the virus keeping people home, and people are out of work. And then, again, another murder that you see witnessed and blasted on social media, it, it was going to happen at some point. We've had, we've had, and these are the three names that are floating around right now, we've had three yeah. murders, two involving officers and one involving uh, some type of... Well, an ex-officer, wasn't he, wasn't he an ex-cop? The Ahmaud Arbery? Yeah. I have no idea. Ex-cop. I just yeah, can't stand looking at his face. But, <sighs> you know... Three, three murders where the, the the frustrating thing about that is even though it wasn't police that mm-hmm. happened in February and nothing yeah happened. we just so, now heard it yeah you're just we're just not here like last about month it. right yeah the end of last month so well so we talk about a tipping point though it's like okay when you say oh well you know George Floyd won one of this first of all don't speak for that man right second of all he doesn't get to speak for himself so you can't you, you know that's the problem here is he doesn't have the ability to speak for himself anymore and it's not just about George Floyd. It's mm-hmm. it's it's he, the, the protesting is not just about George Floyd. I mean, a lot of black people out here have are really trying to to do everything right and still find themselves behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. And I hate when people say, "Oh, well, you know, look at like Diddy or look at Beyonce or look at so and so or or look at look at the Obamas." It's just like, yeah, but they're not the standard for black excellence. Those are people who have literally beat all odds after every challenge. Like they literally had to like go through the Olympics a million times just just to be the just to be the um, anomaly. Yeah. Right. Just to be the anomaly. Yeah. Like I said, guys, we have trouble with words sometimes. Um. <laughs> just my dictionary. I'll say words and I'll feel confident, and then I look at him and he's like, "Yeah." I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, that sure. does that does sound good." You need a green light, red light. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, and that's what systemic racism is. Yeah, you, you've got you've got a system that makes it exponentially harder for black people to achieve what white people can achieve. That takes me back to, what was it, last, two years ago, we were looking for schools for my son. And the schools in our neighborhood, we live in a, a, a what, would you consider this middle class, right? Yeah. We live in a pretty decent neighborhood. And we got trees and stuff. <laughs> we, got, we got land, we got forests. Um... So yeah, so we were looking for a high school for my son. He's going into high school um, two years. And uh, there was a particular school in a neighborhood that is much more wealthier. It's about 30 minutes, about 25 minutes away from us. And we had to sign up for a tour of the high school. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. Um, So we get there and it's like walking into Harvard, right? Like Harvard for kids. Yeah, it's like a a compound of a school. It's... I wanted to go back to high school. I was like, if high school was like, it was like, I don't know, you probably remember, but there used to be these book series called Sweet Valley High. I remember them, yeah. Okay, yeah, and that's kind of the flavor it gives me. But um, the kids were so bright, and they were like in sixth grade, and they were the ones taking us on the tour of this high school, and they were showing us their cafeteria that had like a Starbucks um, section. I mean, they had so many 
resources for academic success that when I compared it to the feeder schools in our district, I said to myself, no wonder why these kids are already at a disadvantage. I mean, you take those those kids and they were white. You take those young white kids who are at a college prep school and I, they started um, Spanish classes in pre-K, I think. Right. So they already have the second language under their belt. They already have access to tutors and uh, educational specialists and just all these extra um, resources, again, that they have. And then the schools in our district, kids don't have access to books all the time. Yeah. Don't shame, even have access shame. to internet. Yeah, no access to extra, Not, yeah, extracurriculars t- outside of sports. Right. Teachers like, are already underpaid, so they don't really want to be there. Yeah. I hear all the time when we talk about this stuff, it, it blends into the same conversation of like, oh, you know, if you just listen to the police, if you just do this, you hear all the time. I, my mom worked two jobs and I made it. And, and you know, people can do it if they just, you know, if they're just working hard. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to that. do with working hard. I mean, so, you know, those two schools, right? Those mm-hmm. schools are funded by property tax, mm-hmm. public schools, um, you know, private schools, obviously, um, you know, the the higher the income, the higher this tuition, higher the average income in the area, the higher tuition is going to be, um, and you get you get situations with all those resources. But if you have an area that the home value is lower, the right. property taxes are going to be lower. Um, so your schools are going to be funded at a lower level. Mm-hmm. So that's when you don't get resources. People will conveniently skip the fact that. Black people had no freedom right. for 250 years. You know, white people had a 250-year head start on freedom. Um, you know, when 1863... Unless that's in the past. Get yeah, over it. Yeah, that's bullshit. But 1863, when people were actually set free, then they had no actual rights. Yeah, we, like, white people couldn't own black people anymore. Mm-hmm. But, but, we, but you had no rights or, or... We still weren't considered fully human. I, I, I put it this way, right? The, the 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 prison system right now, like, if somebody's in jail for 25 years, 25 years comes up and you just get out of jail and they just put you on the curb. And they're like, all right, good luck. It's like, where in the <laughs> See hell what do you I, can do now. Where in the hell do I start? Okay, that's 25 years. This right. is 250. This is, this is five or four or five, six generations mm-hmm. of people that had, that didn't even have the freedom. So you just let them out with, and you give them nothing. Nothing. You give them absolutely nothing. So, okay, so now I'm 250 years behind. You know, according to the law, you're not actually considered equal Mm -hmm. until 100 years after that, in the 60s. Like, our parents were born before people were really considered equal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that that concept is crazy to to think about. Uh, You know, you go into the the late 1800s and 1920s, and you have you know zero rights. You're 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 pushed in. You push black people into certain areas um, to where they have to live, and you don't give them any resources in those areas. You give them no stores, no nothing. Then when they try to create their own stores, you burn them down. Mm-hmm. So okay, so you, and communities you, and communities. So so you push them into a community. They try to make for themselves. Um, after you enslaved them for two hundred fifty years, then you burn down their communities for whatever God knows what reason. Then. When all that fine, all that dust finally settles, and they find a way to, you know, black people find a way to make it, to 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 make it work for themselves, you set up all these rules and regulations, all this legislation that basically puts them at a disadvantage. 
you don't, you know, you, you, you... So some of those rules and regulations and laws Joe's talking about... Yeah, sorry, is... I'm ranting. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, redlining. Redline, redlining makes me sick because it, Talk it about doesn't... It. it doesn't... It literally go... First of all, it's still going on. Like, mm-hmm. it's still, you know, it's not on paper, but it's, it's still going on. And it was evident up until the Clinton administration. Like, you, you pushed... You, you pushed... You know, you couldn't you couldn't legally say black people have to live here. But what you do is yeah, you, you couldn't legally segregate. Yeah, you couldn't say you have to live, to live here. here. But what because you can you're do, black. right? Yeah, what you can do is you can run the banks, and you can say, okay, we're only going to allow, um, you know, we're only going we're we're not going to allow them mortgages or loans in this area, and this area we will let them, but we're going to give them double the interest okay. rate, mm-hmm. and then but they can live over here. You, you can live you can live in the exact same area where we put you before for for the normal price so so that pushes into the 70s and then the 70s hits and and you know people things start getting right and then you're thinking okay um time to, you know time to knock them down a peg again so now we you, got the crack you put crack you put crack into these, these. <laughs> it's like, like you yeah, know what you know yeah. how about we sprinkle crack in their communities exactly you know it's like you know, we didn't even mention the fact that that schools were separated. You know, Brown 15, versus yeah, Board of Education. Brown versus Board of Education, which didn't end until thirty years or so before crack hit. And um, you know, when crack hit, you took you took male figures out of the home because you put them in jail for for drug charges, and then mass incarceration. And then and then you 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 know you made a you made an entire population um, dependent on on welfare um, because you took the you know the primary earner out of the home put them in jail and part of Um, the welfare policy was that men were not allowed to be in the homes. exactly so you took you took them out and you said in order to get in order to survive you're not allowed to have men around so a lot of people talk about um you know a lot of people talk about the absence of fathers in in, Mm. in homes and major problem but a major problem created by the government i mean that was you you guys did that and that's a that's a huge thing racists say Mm -hmm. racists are always like oh he doesn't even know his dad like that you know you hear these things and it's like dude what is the reason reason behind it what is yeah not like people don't decide not to have have fathers fathers, right yeah yeah there's socioeconomic influences sociocultural factors that make these determinants in, in black people's lives yeah I'm do you sure. think, I mean, do, do people honestly think black people don't want a chance at having a multi-million dollar house and owning all these nice fancy cars and leading tech companies and being surgeons and being doctors? Do you think that all black people want to do is be basketball players or sell drugs? Like, I don't think that. Of course, a you lot do. of people on the internet do. Yeah, clearly they do. And they, they, but are, they don't. Those people are in real life, not just on the internet. I think people lose yeah. that lose that sense as like hey, these people behind here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the 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 sheer notion that that people people legitimately think that you know black people don't want to succeed. They just want to you know they handouts, just, right? They just want handouts. They just want this. They just want that. Mm-hmm. You get you got a three hundred and fifty year head start. If we if we race right now, me and you, right? Yeah. If we race, you know, we both got you got a bad leg, I got a bad foot, so it'd be an <laughs> ugly race. But if we raced and I said, Okay, you stay here, I'm gonna walk three hundred and fifty yards ahead of you and we'll race to the four hundred yard mark, I think I'm gonna win. Yeah, I think you would too. Yeah. So even with a bum ass foot. 
you know, these laws aren't on paper, but yeah. the effects are still, still real. Like, they find mm-hmm. their way around it. Um, and at the, just to bring it all back, guys, that's the reason why people are protesting. They're not just protesting for one death. They're protesting for many deaths. We are protesting for many deaths, and we're protesting for policy. We're protesting for change. And it really sucks that we're still protesting for these change and policies to change in 2020. My grand, my dad had to protest. My grandmother had to protest. Her grandmother had to protest, and and so on and so forth. And that should show you. That should show. I mean, people aren't in in the streets protesting and speaking out again injustice because it's a fantasy. It's some type of freak fantasy that we just want to enjoy, and you know, some type of pastime that we want to partake in. It's because it's real, and it has. And, and there are very, very real consequences to being a black person in America. What we're seeing right now, with thousands, tens of thousands mm-hmm. of people on the street for every city, is is a moment that can provoke change. Yeah, and, and, and it has. It has. I mean, you're seeing, we're, you know, we're close to Philly. You saw the Rizzo statue come down. Rizzo was a was a racist. He was a racist mayor in the 70s in Philly. Um, you know, you see you see monuments coming down that that you know they're they're breaking apart the the um, you know slave plantation stones down south that that represent a time that no longer is acceptable. Right. They're and, even like burning down. I think they burnt down um, a place where slaves were actually sold. Yeah. I mean, so just the fact that we we still have those up is a problem. I mean, you wouldn't go to Germany and see like a monument of Hitler. Yeah. And then somehow, some way, white Americans, white racist Americans don't understand why we want this shit to come down. Yeah. It represents pain to us and represents a system that we still have to live in. Even when this is done, even when these protests are done, I'm still going to be a black woman in America. I'm still going to be raising a black son. I am still going to have to sit down and have a conversation with him about how it is, how he has to move differently in this world because he is a black man. I'm still going to have to have those conversations. I'm still going to have to be afraid of if I speak up at work against my white counterparts, am I going to lose my job? Are they going to label me as being an aggressive black woman? Am I going to be able to wear my hair a certain way and not be stereotyped as being ghetto? I'm still going to have all these microaggressions that I have to go through while white people just get to bounce around the world as if everything's okay. And it is. It, it is okay for them. We were talking about the endless list of people that, that uh, have been killed by police. You know, you've seen protests. You saw protests for Freddie Gray. You saw... Um, protests, I think, for Tamir Rice, for Mike Brown, Mike Brown. for Trayvon Martin, yeah. for Sandra Bland. I mean, this, for Breonna Taylor, it just goes Montana on and Jefferson. on. I just feel, and I think a lot of people feel the same way, that there's something different about this time. Like yeah. there's something, <clears throat> and and whatever that means in the long run, you know, I, I hope it drives the change that this country needs to end the systemic problems that we have. And it's not just about police brutality. It's it's overall equality. Yeah, I mean, it has to be... Black people, black Americans have to be made whole. We were never made whole. And, you know, this could be a conversation for a different time, but I think that this is an opportunity for reparations. And what that looks like, it doesn't necessarily look like a lump sum of money for black Americans, um, but it looks like policies that, again, would afford black Americans the same opportunities that white people have. I mean, after all, we did build this country. Sure did. You can't have a 350-year head start and then just, again, I'll take it back to the analogy of just setting somebody loose. You just, 
you know, hey, I know, I know, I've, I know, I've owned you mm. for two hundred and fifty years, and I gave you absolutely nothing. I paid you no money. I made free you, labor. I made you work. I made you build up our generational wealth for two hundred and fifty years. Then I said, I, I, I let you go and give you nothing, nothing to work from, and then, you know. Hey, when we get further away from this, I'm going to stop you from earning things. And, you know, and then I'm going to make fun of you because you can't earn what maybe, I earn. Yeah. There's so there's so many different factors. Yeah, there really there really is. I mean, we can we can literally go into so many different um racist policies. Again, we touched on the the war on drugs and even just even just standing there for a second. I think I was talking to you the other day and I said when when it was the crack era, it was considered a war on drugs, a.k.a. a war on black people, right? But then now we have the opioid. Epidemic. It's an epidemic. Both are epidemics. The it's crack, all of a sudden crack, an epidemic. Crack, if you look up crack epidemic and opioid academic, or epidemic, epidemic. <laughs> epidemic, there were no rehabs for crack. Mm-hmm. There were no, yeah, no, there were no, no drug no, no, treatment no. programs. People went crack. to jail. They just went to jail. They just snatched you out the home and went to jail. Both were drugs. Both are drugs. Yeah. But because opioid is considered a white a white drug, a white people's problem, they are afforded rehab and <clears throat> fines. They're not there's being a, snatched out of their homes. Their their fathers a, and mothers aren't being snatched out of their homes. There's a very good and and, and you know you know more than anyone I'm all about actual statistics. Yeah. That, you know, Joseph that, that guy. Yeah. The co- that correlate not. Not the, um, I won't mention his name because he doesn't deserve my shine, but not that man I've been following who forms his statistics. Joe has been on this, listen guys, at two, <laughs> two, three o'clock in the morning when I'm having nightmares and PTSD flashbacks about racism, Joe is up in the bed talking you know, on Instagram and you and Facebook everywhere fighting conservative race, racists. This yeah. is affecting our household. I'm just fighting the good fight. Um, the but you know I I, I I tend to look at statistics that correlate as people say apples to apples mm-hmm. you know not apples to oranges right. or limes or whatever so when there's a there was a good and I wish I had the the, the uh, details right in front of me but there was a very good study about the war on drugs and and drug drug crimes that said even today that a white person and a black person with the same from the same area mm-hmm. and the same criminal history. That's very important because people say, yeah. "Oh, what do they do before? What right. kind of record?" Right. Now the exact same criminal history. If you send them to to court for the same drug crime, the black person on average has twenty one percent is twenty one percent more likely to get a conviction and go to jail. And then if they both go to jail, the black person's sentence is nineteen nineteen percent longer mm. than the white person's. And that that type of thing, like that snowball effect right. of of I'm not treated equally in the eyes of the law. I have to go to jail now. When I get out of jail, I'm consider you know a felon. Like I'm a felon, and this, I can't find speaking, a job. Speaking of I can't start, take I yeah. can't take student loans yeah. to go to college speaking, because I mean, speaking of head start, if you both get five years, and then the white person or you get five years, and the white person gets four, he's got a year head start to get his life together. Mm-hmm. That's if he even goes. If they don't give him rehab and all that, like, and then his dad can help him. Nepotism. Somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that can get him a job. Whereas your network of people don't have the same resources. Because that network, and that network comes from generations of not having that network. Right. Who did you meet in school? Probably nobody that has that network. Mm-hmm. Who did you meet in your neighborhood? Nobody that has that network. You try to make for yourself, we make it extremely hard. I mean, with the with even with the pandemic going on, the coronavirus, you know, um, 
black small business, the Small Business Association put out numbers and black owned businesses are nine and a half percent of small businesses mm-hmm. and only got 1.7 percent of the money that was shelled out. Twenty three billion dollars went out the door to small businesses. Black owned businesses got 400 million of it instead of the instead of the I think two billion they were they were due based on the number based on the number of businesses and the amount of revenue they bring in. So I have a question for you. What is white privilege to you? White privilege is a advantage that white people have solely based on the color of their skin and not any of their actions. Benefits like generational wealth at different levels. You've got, um, you know, I'm speaking on a majority level here. So before people, you know, jump in and say, oh, you know, my, that's what people do when they deny white privilege. My family had it hard. It's like mm-hmm. not saying that you didn't. I'm just saying your skin is not what makes it hard. Mm-hmm. Your skin is not a factor. Um, you know, you, it can be socioeconomic, you can grow up in poverty, but you can, you can walk around with your skin color and not have prejudice against you because of that. Um, you know, it also boils down to a lot of just day-to-day things too. Like, you know, I go to the store with you and you're, you can only, you know, you can only buy certain products for your skin or for your hair or, and those are not well represented in certain stores. Yeah. So the, or having like a little in cap yeah like you guys get yeah like a little like a little shelf yeah it's like it's like here's everything the ethnic yeah. what is called ethnic ethnic the yeah. ethnic cap yeah meanwhile cap. meanwhile there's huge displays of white people for all these different you know it's just availability you know availability of of, of resources of and access yeah access, access to to so there's all those different elements to it um but i think at a basic level it's having an advantage based on the color of your skin, purely on the color of your skin and not in anything you've actually done. Okay. Uh, I have a question for you. Yep. Um, what are <clears throat> a few things that you would like to see change as a result of everything going on right now? So um, I would like to see police officers that use excessive force and obviously murder um, held to the same standards that civilians will be held to. So I would like them to be immediately arrested and then tried and convicted, period. In addition to police officers being held to the same standard as civilians, I think that um, in policy of reparations um, needs to happen for black Americans, um, specifically for black Americans, not um, any other um, minority group for the context of reparations and you know again in another time and another date we'll i'll explain more about why i think overall this is just outside of policy um but i'm a psychology student and i don't know how long this is going to take but i just want to feel safe i want to feel safe around police officers i just want to feel safe around spaces in groups of people that don't necessarily look like me. I want to be able to be myself around groups of white people and other minorities and not fear that if I actually show my whole self, meaning if I want to be loud, if I want to be, if I want to curse or whatever, if I want to wear my hair a certain way, that I'll be judged, that I'll be labeled. I just want to be able to be in spaces and move like white people do. So that's... So it's, my it's, it's interesting. I'm sorry. It's just interesting that all three of your answers, and it really is telling of how society is. All three of your answers are not correlated to each other at all. 
So that's how bad things are. You know, that's how, that's how. And this is just my generation. Yeah. Like, I'm sure if you were to ask my grandmother this question when she was my age, there would be three different answers yeah. that she would give you. That's the problem is, is it's been going on for so long and, and, and you know, we can't have any more people, anywhere innocent people dying without, you know, with no justice. We can't have so many inequities just in, in everyday life. I mean, it's so... And big. the reason why Joe said innocent is because under American law, you are innocent until proven guilty. And these men and women that have been killed by police didn't have an opportunity to be tried by a jury of their peers. They were just executed on the street. And I think that also kind of is a factor into why you guys have also have also been seeing just I don't want to say I would say passion why you guys have been seeing the passion as, as an additional response to George Floyd's murder it's because think back to times where there were public lynchings where black Americans had to watch their brothers or sisters or even children being hung by trees just because they may have whistled at a white woman, which most likely they didn't because they were already afraid that they were going to die if they did it anyway. Yeah. This is like public lynching that we're watching all over again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's somebody who's the victim. And then when they're victimized, they become the, the suspect. Mm -hmm. They, they become, we see it all. I mean, we see it all the time. We see, you know, even with George Floyd, you know, George George Floyd did nothing, but they brought up the fact that he had, you know, a criminal past. Of course, was, yeah. You know, look at his tattoos, and he did this, and he did that, and, you know, it, they have to latch on to something. Ahmaud Arbery. Oh, he mm -hmm. was in the house. He was looking around he was looking, the house. Yeah, he was looking around the house. Um, that doesn't justify murder. Nothing that these people are doing justifies murder. It's a, it's a shame that people have to explain that. Mm -hmm. Like... Especially when people, white people who do murder, Dylan Roof, all these right. people get out alive. I mean, they get out to see trial and they may spend their life in prison, but they're alive and they get to, you know, the... They'll have contact with their family. If you, yeah, if you look at it, like if you created a chart about this, like it's like, okay, severity of crime versus severity of punishment. It's the exact opposite for white and black people in these situations. And you guys think that black Americans have no reason to be angry right now? Listen, all this, all the, all of the public protesting and all of the social media um, outrage and, and, and outpouring of support for the family, support for all these families, support, support for, um, you know, black Americans in general. It's just, it, you know, it's years and obviously you know you can speak to this more than me being a part of, of the black community right it's it's just years of being tired of going through this like going I feel like I'm tired for my ancestors I'm tired for <laughs> I'm tired for my entire lineage I mean I, I was telling you before like my parents march my grandmother march her grandmother march just it's just it's tiring I, Facebook has this memory asked uh what's it called like a memory, memory feature, feature yeah. and so there was a flashback that happened uh, i think it was a couple of weeks ago um but it actually showed i took my son to go march in washington dc and that was um to protest against the police murder of mike brown 
and my son looked so young. I think he was like six at the time, um, but he looked so young holding a poster um, against police brutality. And I'm like, damn, here we are again. I protested last weekend for the same exact thing. Yeah. For the same exact thing. So. And, and the interesting part is you, on your sign that you took to the, to, to the protest, says, I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit. And I and my and hope it all is... It comes full circle. And my hope, my hope is that my son won't have to march and protest for the same rights. So guys, just to conclude um, this episode, I wanted to leave you with some resources. If you are interested in learning more about um, black oppression, there are a couple of series on Netflix that I would recommend. Uh, the first one is The Racial Wealth Gap. Second is The Khalif Browder Story. Third is When They See Us. And four is 13th. Um, I watched all of them and they're really good, really interesting. Um, and they provide a lot of data. And guys, there's also a lot of good organizations uh, that support black initiatives that you can donate to today. We've we've done a, a fair amount of these, all of these actually. Um, there's an official uh, GoFundMe for uh, George Floyd's memorial and family. It, it goes to uh, pay for all their legal fees. You know, it's going to be a long uh, long legal process. So, you know, it pays for all the legal fees and gets them hotels to stay at when they have to go, you know, be in certain areas. And, and a lot of that money also goes to George's, uh, children. So, uh, that's, that's a, a primary one you can look into. Um, campaign zero, um, is a, is a campaign that really focuses on ending police violence. It's a great one to donate to, um, black vision collectives. Um, you know, it really supports the, the black ecosystem and, and, you know, su- supporting black business, supporting, um, you know, black community and, and ownership of the black community and, and, you know, uh, really supports that very well. There's also one that's, I think kind of near and dear to our hearts from a movie that we saw, um, which is actually free on demand right now, going back to Aziz's point about some things you can watch. There's a movie called Just Mercy with Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan, um, about a, a lawyer that went through and created something called the Equal Justice Initiative, which provides legal support and representation to um, black people who are, are imprisoned and, and usually um, are done so unjustly or, or they're just flat out innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we've we donated quite a bit to their their um, the Equal Justice Initiative, and I, I would recommend doing that as well. Um, and just overall, you know, there's whatever local area you're in or even on Instagram or online, you know, look, look up black businesses and look up how you can support, like I said, that, that ecosystem and, and, and understand where, like how far a dollar goes for, for businesses. Like I said earlier in the podcast, you know, these businesses are not getting support from corporate initiatives and from government initiatives. And it's, they're not getting funding. They're not getting loans that they're getting loans. They're at high interest rates. They're, you know, they're not getting prime real estate for, for, for retail shops and things like that. So whatever area you're in, you'll be able to find a list, you know, you can um, Google it, Instagram it, whatever. You'll find a list of local, um, black businesses or online black businesses that you can support. So, and if you can't support financially um, during this time, we know a lot of people may be out of jobs. So we want to keep that in mind. But perhaps sharing a post um, could also just uh, afford that business a bigger yeah. audience. Word of mouth and is huge, and social media can you know make it exponentially bigger. Yeah. So find any way you can to support. 
So guys, just to conclude, we want to thank Brian and Aggie for, again, giving us an opportunity to speak to you guys, um, just to have a conversation with you about race, how we feel personally, how it's affected our household, and just our response to the protests and also to frame this conversation um, within an interracial couple. So again, thanks for the opportunity, Brian and Aggie. Appreciate (laughs) y'all. And keep fighting for justice. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.